This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to the ninth episode of Kiwi and the Bird. I'm Kami. I'm Taylor. And in today's episode, we are giving a non-spoiler review about the beguiling and puzzling The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Now, The Inheritance Games is a YA mystery told through the eyes of protagonist Avery Kylie Grams. Avery Kylie Grams is used to playing games. After her mother died, she survives by sleeping in her car, hosting illegal poker games at her school, and playing chess with a local homeless man. Her life changes when it is suddenly decreed, at the expense of the Hawthorne family, that she is the chosen heir to the Hawthorne fortune, a sum of over $46 billion. Yet, there's one problem. Avery doesn't know Tobias Hawthorne or his family, and now she has a very large target on her back. Now, the question on everyone's mind is, who is Avery Grahams? Avery Grahams is used to being invisible, and she has always had just one plan graduate high school, finish college, and leave her past and circumstances behind her. Yet it seems she has been chosen as heir for a reason, for she has a knack for riddles, puzzles, and developing feelings for broken rich boys. See, Avery, in my head, was just this very intelligent girl. You know, she wants to go into actuarial science. Like, what even is that, right? I had no idea. Right? And the one word I would use to describe her is intelligent. I think Avery is the perfect protagonist for the story because when you have a mystery like this where the stakes are so high, there's a lot of money involved, of course, $46 billion, you need a protagonist that's smart. And I think Avery is that. She is smart and she works through things quickly. If I had to solve the riddles that she had to solve, it would take me 46 billion years to do it. I wouldn't be able to. I would just be sitting there with my money being like, I can't hear you over all my bank accounts. <laughs> I would also say just a little. She's Avery's just a little bit thirsty. Well, when you're in a household with four conveniently hot roommates who want your money, interesting things can happen. Especially if three of those boys are around your age. That's so lucky. I know. But what I also like about Avery is that even though she's very self-sufficient and independent, she has a softer side from her that derives from the memories she has of her mother that recently passed away. And I like the fact that her intelligence and her scheming derives from the games that she used to play with her mother when she was younger. Yeah, I liked the fact that she could keep up with the boys. Mm Mm-hmm. That was, that was a nice touch, because usually, like, the protagonist is very unknowing and doesn't know anything has to be told, like, all the knowledge about things. And to some extent, Avery was, since, you know, she wasn't born in a wealthy family, so she had to learn a bunch of things in that manner. But when it came to all the riddles and puzzles and things, she held up her own. Prim and proper, Grayson Hawthorne is a silver-eyed heir apparent to the Hawthorne fortune. Only he didn't inherit anything. Convinced Avery's a con woman, he will push her to her limits with his veiled threats, cool temperament, and his determination to protect his family. I think I was drawn to Grayson the most out of the Hawthorne brothers, simply because he does have that mysterious 
pretentious, arrogant air to him. He originally seems kind of like an unfeeling jackass. <laughs> a little bit. But there's something about him that clues you in that there's more. I'd actually say, yes, I agree with that. But in the beginning, when I first met Grayson, I was like, uh, he's just some smug, snobby, rich boy who wears, like, Armani suits and wears, like, Christian Dior and, like, all fancy-smancy. And that con- continued until this one particular moment, which I'm not going to discuss here. That's for the next episode. But I caved. I caved bad. And I spiraled. Taylor knows this. And I got very invested and suddenly he became the silver-eyed hottie. You know how they say you fall in love? Well, Kami face-planted. Absolutely. I was just like, exactly. Overall, without giving too much away, I think Grayson is just someone who surprises you. All his life, Jameson Hawthorne has been in competition with his brothers, and never before has he been afraid to do anything to win. Almost always drunk and shirtless, Jameson is sure his deceased grandfather has left them with one final puzzle, the girl who stole their fortune... Avery Grimms. I'm just gonna say this. Jameson Hawthorne is just a very attractive and very fling acceptable boy. You know, he has that kind of charm to him, that kind of like bad boy charm, but bad boy, rich boy charm. Yeah, I think if you like bad boy, rich boy characters, that is Jameson wrapped up into one. But I also think that Jameson has a certain determination to him that separates him from the trope. He's not careless and he's not reckless. In fact, he's very tactical. He is. I think in the book he was described as hungry, but not just like for knowledge, for the thrill, for things in life, you know? For the win. Mm -hmm. And I liked seeing that strategic side to him as a character because it makes you feel a little uncertain about what he's willing to do to get what he wants. The Inheritance Games takes place in a modern-day Texas in the sprawling and expansive Hawthorne house. Full of hidden passages and secrets, everything has a purpose, including the inhabitants. When I first read about this house and I read about all the secret passages and stuff, I thought, finally, a rich person did something cool with their house. I hate when, when... You see a rich person's house in a movie and it's all clean and pristine and there's just nothing cool about it, nothing special. Like, you have so much money, you could make your house a freaking amusement park, but they don't. They never do it. They don't even have one secret passage. But in this house, they had so many. I thought, yes! Yeah! Thank you, dead guy. Okay, same. But also, just like the description of the house sounded awesome and I was like, I want this house. But also just, I love the way that the author described the setting as well, because you could kind of feel the luxury of it, which is kind of hard to convey in words, I personally think, because sometimes you can just write like, oh yeah, they had really nice carpeting and they had chandeliers and stuff, but she kind of, the author made it seem like, yes, this is a very luxurious and a very riddled with riddled house. I stole that from Taylor. I think the author did a great job of making the reader want to crave the house. And I think, like you said, the author did a great job in including a certain warmth and a certain want and a certain fullness in this landscape. 
The landscape kind of feels heavy in the story, which I like because it feels important. This house shaped the story and what the characters could do and what puzzles could be solved. Yeah, it was a really good setting for the story. I feel like it was kind of the heart of the story almost. Yeah. Everything went in and out. It was the central place. It was the core of where everything needed to happen. It was almost like the setting was like a character itself just because of the 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 part that it played in the story. If anything, I feel like it kind of embodied the spirit of Tobias Hawthorne. What I liked about the author's writing style, again, is how she wrote her characters and the setting and how both of them played together. I like how the characters were presented to be something that you already assume they are. When you think of a really rich family, you think of the characters. Like, of course, there'd be a really posh one. Of course, there'd kind of be a more flingy bad boy one. You know, kind of these stereotypes, but then they're dived into and they're explored. And I liked that. And I also liked how the house played into the story too and made the story feel confined and intimate. Even though the house is big, it often feels small because of how the characters are interacting and what secrets are stored there. Taylor, I think Tay and I talked about this a bit before and I think we both agree when I say the author didn't necessarily have a very distinct voice in her writing style. It wasn't necessarily super unique or whatever. It was very YA, I would say, but it did its job in telling the story. Yeah, we said that we felt like the voice wasn't written to get the voice across, if that makes sense, more so to to have the characters tell the story rather than this ambiguous narrator. Also too, the author did a great job in writing the riddles and the clues and the secrets in the house. She did a good job of keeping you interested in the mystery. I think that if you like young adult mysteries, this one's a great one to read because it has the allure of a big fortune and it has this cool secluded setting that you want to dive into because you know it has to be full of secrets and riddles. I think if you like to try to figure things out, this is also the book for you because a lot throughout the story, you're, you're offered more and more details as to the ending and it makes it really fun to read. I think that if you like that scene in National Treasure 2 where Nicolas Cage is trying to figure out the desk in the Oval Office while um, his ex-wife, is it his ex-wife? I don't know if they got married. If his ex-girlfriend um, distracts someone, like that scene where he's like trying to find notches and stuff, this is definitely the book for you. Also, if you like love triangles between two hot rich brothers, ding, 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 you just won a prize. It's not $46 billion, but it's a romance. And it builds up. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Kami, based on our scale of one to seven, one meaning literal trash and seven meaning fangirl mania, What would you rate The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes? I would give The Inheritance Games a 5.4 on our our scale. A little bit closer to what 5 is, feeling myself. I liked the plot of the story a lot. And I liked how the author 
made you want to like figure things out and think, oh, this is a detail that it hasn't been mentioned before. I need to keep this in the back of my mind for later. It's like you were trying to figure out the mystery along with the protagonist. And I am just a fan of love triangles with hot, broken, rich boys. So that was also a plus. I did like the protagonist, Avery, as well. I think, like we said before, she was just a good fit for the story. And I liked that she was able to keep up with the boys and she held her own. And she was very much the center of the story like she should be. I would give the story a five, which means feeling my shelf. Because I think it's really important, and I think the author does a great job of this, when you have a mystery book to keep it moving. To make sure that the clues are building up on top of each other, that the reader is able to understand where things are going, or at least have hints as to where things are going. And I also think it's important to have characters that can also help take the story there. And I think this story had that. I think it had characters that were moving the plot along and I think the mystery is very interesting as well and the once more the allure of having this big old house that has tons of secrets in it. I wish that the romance had been pushed a little bit more. At the end I was feeling a little disappointed without how the romance turned out because I was so into the characters and I was totally invested and I just felt like I wanted it pushed just the slightest bit more in order to be a little bit more impactful. For me, the reason why I gave it a 5.4 and not anything higher was simply because it was a very entertaining book, but I didn't have like these raging feelings about it, you know? It was it was a good read and it kept me interested and that's why I kept that's why I'm keeping it at a 5. Yeah, I didn't I didn't feel the passion of the romance. I felt the intrigue and the, ooh, I'm liking this, but I I didn't get that moment where I go, oh my goodness, I can't stop reading this. I love this romance. I kind of wanted that moment where I go, holy crap, this is hot. (laughs) I can can agree with that, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on Kiwi and the Bird for our book recommendation episode about the Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. We hope that you'll join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. We hope you liked today's recommendation. Join us for our upcoming book discussion episode where we go into spoilers and details about the Inheritance Games. And, and remember, remember, like a library, at Kiwi, Kiwi and the Bird, shh, happens. If you made it this far, get ready for some bloopers. (laughs) Can I read? Holy crap. Prim and prop, you can do it. (laughs) I just realized Grayson is younger than us. Oh, ew. Oh, we're pervers. I know. Can we pretend that we're 18? Well, he still act like it, so. (laughs) He dresses well, and he dresses in many layers. Armani, bitch. (laughs) If anyone has any relatives that need an heir, I'm, I'm up for grabs just as an option. I can't solve any puzzles, but I can be a good jester. I'm really good at word games. Like, really good at them. I'm, I'm training. <laughs> For what? I don't know. 
I also know random trivia. I do too. Like, what's a kine? What is a kine? It's a female cow. Oh. Random. But I know it. Sure. Because I fumbled like a football on the field. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, sports analogies. I don't know that one. (laughs) I get really hot when they laugh. I gotta stop talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna cut <call> my corner. <laughs> that was fantastic, and it was my fault because I can't say proper <laughs> properly. <laughs> Poor boys. Well, they're actually rich boys. Not anymore. Ooh. When your grandfather hates you. <laughs> Prim and proper, Grayson Hawthorne is the silver-eyed heir apparent to the Hawthorne fortune. Only, he didn't inherit anything. No tea, no shade. (laughs) I'm just gonna go here. (laughs) You're gonna go in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. (laughs) Wait, have you seen Dirty Dance? Yes, I have. Multiple times. It's on Hulu. I love it. It's the first time I saw it. I was like, whoa. Dude, that scene where they're all like, ooh. Like they're, they're, they're dirty dancing. I was like 13 when I first watched it, and I was like, <gasps> but also <gasps> my face got so red. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> oh. oh, okay. I'm gonna go on my corner. <laughs> you can do hard things. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> you know. We've said that's what she said jokes for so many years now, and yet they never fail. <laughs> they never stop. I'm pretty sure I got a pixie cut because of Alice Cullen. Really? Because that was just, like, the big thing. And when everyone's like, you'd look so good with it, Tay, which now I can't trust those people anymore. <laughs> was this around the time that you thought your friend Josh was a vampire? It was really big. Twilight was. Mm. Yeah. But why? Everyone's like, she has bangs. I'm like, no, no, just don't imagine that. <laughs> like, no. She did not have a hairstylist. She did. There is no maintenance on I'm, those. I'm just not a fan of bangs. I'm not either. I have a thing against it because yeah. of something called the mushroom cut. <laughs> <laughs> something my mother gave us as children. Essentially, it would be like this bob. Was it shiitake or? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Because our bangs would be just like right here. <laughs> Her hair would, um, she'd cut it in a way where it's like a bob, but it wasn't a cute bob. It was the bobs that kind of like where the ends kind of like go into your neck. Uh, and so it's literally, we call it the mushroom guy. Oh, in the story, he'd be like, solve this puzzle, Taylor. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I can't be <reduce> Doku. <laughs> like whenever, whenever in a book, the character details like, oh, and she had bangs. I skip over it. I go, no, she doesn't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, 